I think one of the greatest days in your life is the day that you realize you were not created to live life going through the motions. Contrary to what our society teaches us or what culture teaches us is you are not created to get up every day, go work a nine-to-five job, come home, eat dinner, go to bed, and do it again. Now, that's a part of life. It's a necessary part of life. But there's more to life than just going through the motions. There's more to life than just getting up every day and basically living the movie Groundhog Day Same day, different day of the week. Same day, different month. And we just live our life with no purpose, with no vision, when God's created us to be a difference maker. When you realize that you're left on this earth to make a difference in this world, it's a game-changing day in your life. When you not only realize that you're created to make a difference, but you start living your life to make a difference, that's when your life begins to make sense. It's when your life begins to have meaning. It's when your life begins to have purpose. And it's amazing to me how many people live their life never experiencing that. Live their life going through the motions, living their life paycheck to paycheck, living their life in a job that they can't stand to make money, to buy things they don't need, to impress people they don't like. We've got it all wrong in our culture, and our media, and we're raising our kids to live the same way. Miserable people raising miserable people. And yet we wonder why we're so miserable. We're put on this earth to make a difference, to be a difference maker. And I think the amazing thing about difference makers is they all come in different shapes and different sizes. It's really easy to see people that are in the spotlight or in the leadership position and say to ourselves, they're created to be a difference maker, but the reality is we're all created to be difference makers. Some people are just born, and you see that person, and you know immediately they've just got it. But we're all created to be difference makers. Some people have to go through life and they have to decide they're going to be intentional about being a difference maker. Difference makers come in all shapes and sizes. They're they're men, they're women, they're black and they're white and they're straight and they're gay and they're whatever socioeconomic class you want to put in it. The reality is we're all called to make a difference. When it comes to the end of your life and you begin to take those last breaths, you're not going to worry about how much money you made. You're not going to worry about how many hours you worked. You're not going to worry about how big your house was or how fast your car went. You're going to look back and you're going to want to know, man, I'm leaving this earth a better place than when I got here. Regardless of what they look like or how they go about being a difference maker, the one thing that unifies difference makers is they want to impact the world. And we love that about them. We're drawn to that about them. And I think the funny thing is, is being a difference maker is like this new concept. It's like this new revelation. All the motivational speakers and all the life coaches and all the self-help BS that goes on in our society. Man, live life by your own rules and chase your dreams and do all these things and make the world a better place. And really, it's as old as the Bible. (laughs) 
I mean, at its very core, the mission of being a Christ follower is to be a difference maker. God has left us here to change the world. Someone said, no, 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 God left us here to worship. No, 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 no. Worshiping him is part of being here. But if all we were left to do was worship God, he'd just take us to heaven because guess what? He's there. We can worship him. We're left here with a mission. God has left us here with a purpose. He, he told Jeremiah, he said, I knew you in your womb. He said, I called you apart to be a prophet to the nations. God doesn't make junk. He doesn't make mistakes. God creates greatness. He creates us to make a difference. God has left us here to impact those around us, to impact the culture. Yet the culture is impacting us. God has left us here that when we see a need, we meet that need. And we see a hurt, we do whatever we can to heal that hurt. That's why we're left here. So many of us miss that. Sadly, if you go into the average church or you talk to the average Christian, they're everything and anything but a difference maker. We've complicated what it means to be a Christ follower. We've complicated what it means to live the Christian life. What we've done is we've come along and we put all these rules and all these regulations on Christianity and it looks like a lot of things and everything except Christ's following of the Bible. We put preference on Christianity. We put politics on Christianity. We put rules on Christianity and regulations. And if you're really a Christian, you'll look like this and act like this and love like this and you'll do this and you'll fall in line and you'll look like everyone else the way we say you ought to be. Let's scratch that. Not even you'll do any of those things all the time. You'll do it on Sunday morning when you're around the other Christians because you got to be fake. You can live like the devil throughout the week. Just don't let anybody know you're doing that. But put your fake mask on on Sunday and your fake smile and act like everything's perfect and come in and shake hands and hug necks and talk your Christian knees. And, How you doing, brother? Blessed. Blessed. Now, you fought with your spouse the whole way here. You slapped your kids across the face because they wouldn't get out of bed. You kicked a dog because it wouldn't go to the bathroom. You got mad because you forgot to get gas and had to stop and get it in your car this morning. And you came in the parking lot sideways because you were running late. But boy, the minute you got out of the car, mask goes on. I tell people all the time, the fakest place in all the world is Sunday morning between 10 and 12. Fake people acting like they make a difference. A manning the preacher when he talks about making a difference, but knowing they're not making a difference. <laughs> All these rules and regulations, and what we've done is, is we've neutered the church. We've castrated the church. For you Jasper people, that means we've taken the testicles of the church and we've snipped them. And this force that Christ left here to carry out his mission, the local church, has become so ineffective. Church attendance all over the country 
is in rapid decline. The average church in America runs about 67 people in attendance. That was pre-COVID. And they say now church attendance is down about 30% across the country. Hmm. Only 20% of self-professed Christians attend church on Sunday morning because the church has become irrelevant to their lives. The church no longer meets their needs because the church has moved away from being the church of the Bible and it's become the church of America. We've Americanized church and we look like this and we act like this and we sing this and we do this and here's our formula and you might have to wear a suit and you might not have to wear a suit but at the end of the day it's the same bones with different skin and we wonder why there's not revival in our nation anymore. We've gotten away from what it means to be a Christ follower. We've complicated Christianity. There's really no other way to do it. And we're great as humans at complicating simple things. Because sometimes we think simple isn't effective when simple's the best. Preachers all over the country years ago couldn't stand that they couldn't control the people who attended their church. So they begin to put rules into place. I remember when I first got into church, you couldn't go to the movies and you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that. And I went to this church where women couldn't wear pants and you couldn't listen to music that wasn't 20 years old because there was some miracle about 20 year mark where a church became, where a song became spiritual and all of a sudden you could listen to it. And if the place served alcohol, you couldn't go there. And I went on staff at this church and I remember, I always thought it was weird, we couldn't go to the movies. Young people, I know you've never heard of this place, but you couldn't go to the movies, but you could go to Blockbuster. Like the movies became spiritual at Blockbuster on the big screen, they were of the devil. Just rules. Just rules. Pastors have turned into CEOs. They want everyone to fall into line. So we moved away from the freedom that comes in Christ. Because freedom scares us. I'm going to regret saying this, but, but freedom scares us in the country. So of course it scares us in Christianity. When we started Action Church, we were very specific about a few things. We knew that Canton didn't need another church. This was almost 10 years ago. At that time, in Cherokee County, I remember the number like it was yesterday, there was 972 churches in Cherokee County. Canton needed a lot of things. It did not need another church. You couldn't throw a rock without hitting a church. Whatever your preference was, baby, there was mega churches and small churches and white churches and black churches. Ain't that the stupidest thing you ever heard? Like if I got up and said, man, I'm going to the white restaurant today. But boy, there's white churches and black churches and contemporary churches and traditional churches and Baptist churches and charismatic churches. And man, let me tell you, if you can't find a church that meets your needs in Cherokee County, let me rephrase that, meets your preferences... The problem is not the churches, it's you. You didn't need another church. But the reality was, 972 churches, 73% of Cherokee County doesn't attend church. That's staggering. Because the church looks like a lot of things, but it doesn't look like the church of the Bible. Because the church of the Bible was simple yet powerful. 
Church of the Bible was a movement. They were difference makers. They came into towns and people met Jesus and lives were changed. We started this church, we decided we were going to focus on just three things. People ask me all the time, why don't you preach on this? And why don't you preach on that? And why don't you preach on this? Here's the deal. You don't got to like this answer, and that's all right. I'm not wasting my time preaching on topics. Not that I don't think they're important. Not that I don't have personal opinions on them based on my study of the Bible. But I'm not getting up here and teaching on subject that Christians have been arguing about for 2,000 years and still can't agree on. It's unfruitful. We'll find out the answer to those questions when we stand before God. We're going to talk about things that motivate us to make a difference in our community. And so we decided we were going to focus on three things. We were going to focus on loving God, loving people, and taking action. It's that simple. If you want it more complicated, I get it but we're probably not the church for you. Bill backstage just groaned, I guarantee, because he hates when I say that. Let me make this clear to you. I didn't say we didn't want you. We just might not be the church for you because you need to understand something. We're not changing to keep you. These values were put into place before there was ever a first service. We just decided... We were going to be so simple that, dare we say, we were going to be biblical. We were going to love God, love people, and take action. I I just want to go deeper, Gary. The problem with you going deeper is you can't handle the shallow. You can't do the simple things of the Bible. So how are you going to go deeper? You want to get deep in the Bible? Love God. I didn't say love God when it was convenient. I didn't say love God when everything's going your way. Love God, no matter what. With every aspect of your life. See, what we tend to do is we we, uh, put our, our life in compartments. We'll give God this compartment and this compartment and this compartment and this compartment, but this compartment, for most of us, it's our finances. We're going to hang on to that compartment. I'm going to give God this compartment and that. I'll give God the compartment of my children, but I'm not going to give them the compartment of this. Says to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your understanding. That's every aspect of you. And then for those that can kind of somewhat get in line here, boy, that next one's really a stumbling block. Loving people. But Gary, I love people, do you? Then you must not be on social media. Because what I have found out is we tend to love people that look like us and act like us and believe like us and think like us and smell like us and dress like us and have every T crossed like us and every I dotted like us or dare say they vote like us. But we don't love all people. 
And, and then that last one is you got to love God, love people, and then you got to take action. You actually got to not just talk about it. You got to do it. You got to make a difference. See, what I have found out over the years is these three things are very complicated. So when people say we don't go deep, you can't get deeper than that. You can break down all the seals and revelation and the four horsemen and when Christ is coming back and all that stuff, and I'm just going to love God, love people, and take action. And that's what Action Church is going to do. And we're never, ever, ever going to apologize for it. Last week we talked about that to be a difference maker, that different makers serve others. And showing a genuine love for God, it means you put your selfish wants all to the side and you begin to meet the needs of others. God is giving you gifting to serve others. Today I want to talk to you about something that Jesus said was just as important. Bible says in Matthew 22, hearing that, Jesus silenced the Sadducees. The Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law. It's always the expert in the law. He tested them with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? Verse 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. He just said that. This is the first and it's the greatest commandment. But he said, but the second's like it. I don't understand the Bible. It's complicated. Here's what this one means. This command I'm about to give you is as important as the first one. So the flag you wave of loving God, the second flag is just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your mind and heart. The first and greatest commandment, the second is like this. Love your neighbor yourself. All the law, all the prophets hang on these two commandments. What he's saying there, leave that up, Xander. You want to get deep in the Bible? Love God, love people. Everything else stems from that. Everything else stems from that. You want to break it down in the original language and get into numerology and exotology and blah, 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 and take your seminary degree or your cemetery degree or whatever it is and break it down. Here's how simple it is. Love God and love people. Stop complicating it. It's not hard. You overthink things. You know why most of you will never chase your dreams? Because you overthink it. You're looking for conditions to be perfect, and perfect conditions don't happen. You know why most of you will never grow in your faith? Because you complicate it, you overthink it. Love God, love people. Gary's only got about eight sermons. We only got two values, love God, love people. So I got four for each one. Are you saying the rest of the Bible is irrelevant? No. Every word of this book is inspired in God's breed. I believe you ought to study it. The Bible says when, when, they, uh, when they gave their life to Christ, they devoted themselves to the teaching of the Word of God. But what I'm telling you is, is you can study it all day long, frontwards and backwards, sideways, upside down, on your head. You can turn around and do whatever you want to do. You'll never get anything from it till you realize you've got to love God and love people because all the rest of it hangs on those two. 
That's the foundation. Try building a house without a foundation. The bigger the house, the deeper the foundation. I got invited when they were building the hospital to come do a ribbon cutting thing. And they only had the foundation set up at that time. That foundation went down almost 200 something feet. Why? Because they knew what they were going to be building. Deeper the foundation, the bigger the building. The religious here, man, the religious were trying to trip up Jesus. They were trying to complicate things. The religious love to complicate things. You know that every issue we've ever had at this church, inside and outside, has always come from the religious? It's never come from the non-religious. The unchurched people never complain about us loving the community, but the religious complain about how we do it all the time. They were trying to trip up Jesus. See, in this day, the religious had over 900 laws. Rules and regulations are nothing new when it comes to God. They had over 900 laws you had to follow. So what they were trying to do was to get Jesus. They thought they were all equal. Jesus was like, hey, they're trying to get Jesus to say, hey, which one of these is the most important? He said, none of those matter. Just love God and love people. Love God with everything you are. Love people with everything you are. Jesus says, love God, love people. And he says, all the other laws, all your 898 other laws are wrapped up in that. The more you love God, the more you love people, you'll want to follow the guidelines laid out in this book. You'll have a desire to live a separated life. You'll have a desire to walk in the ways of Jesus because you can't love God and love people in your own flesh. You've got to be in tune with God to do that because it doesn't come naturally. Naturally, I'm a selfish person, surprise. And so are you. Even those of you that think you're not selfish, you're selfish. We like what we like. We want what we want. And we want how we want it. It's called human nature. Our human nature is when someone does us wrong is not to love them. It's to hate them. It's human nature to love God in the areas that we feel confident in, but the other areas that we have a lack of faith to hold on to. (laughs) Everything we do comes from these two principles. Jesus took loving people so far... Don't miss this. So far that he, you want to get deep? Let's get deep. He makes a pretty deep statement about it in John 13. He says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. By what? If you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. He doesn't say by this. Everyone will know you're my disciples by going to church, by giving your money, by doing this and by doing that and dressing this way and listening to this and having this belief in hell. He said, no. He said, you're complicating. You want people to know you're my disciples? Simply let them watch how you love other people. That's deep. That's impactful. It says the way people will know that you're following in the steps of Jesus is how you love. You want to know why Christianity's dying in America? 
Because we suck at loving. I've never been more embarrassed to be a Christ follower on both sides than I was during this previous election. Now, here's the deal. Anybody that knows me knows I am pretty dogmatic in my political beliefs. I'm unapologetic in my political beliefs. But I never felt a need to mock, make fun, put down, be hateful because other people are wrong. I'm just kidding. Because other people, because other people have different views. Just called to love. Versus a game changer. Think about it. I know I just said it, but Jesus says the way people will know you're a follower of his, again, it's not by how much Bible knowledge you have. Not by how much you pray. Not where you go to church. Not by how much you give. He says people will know you're a Christ follower by how you love people. There's no more verse in the Bible that's so simple, yet so deep. And this just wasn't a passing comment of Jesus. It became the royal law in the kingdom. It literally was the law of the kingdom. Look what James 2.8 says. If you really keep the royal law, the law of the land, that's found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. The law of the land was to love your neighbor. Not to hate your neighbor, but to love your neighbor. The outside world should know us by our love. But let's be honest. The outside world knows the church not by what we love, but by what we hate. They don't know us by what we're for. They know us by what we're against. There's a Facebook group called Cherokee Connect. <laughs> I like Cherokee Connect, actually. I like the guy who runs. I think it's a pretty good group, and I think you get a lot of good answers. There's always stupid answers, but there's a lot of good answers. Overall, compared to most of the groups, I think the guy does a pretty good job somewhat of keeping it focused. But about twice a week, someone will come on and say, just move to the area, looking for a church, and they'll list what they're looking for in a church. And there's different areas, there's different things, looking for this type of church, that type of church, church accepting of this, blah, 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 blah. And it turns into a pissing contest of churches. No one says, come to our church, we meet that need. Everybody's like, well, don't go to this church. Here's what happened to me. They didn't ask that. But it's always, you know, my favorite part of that, and there's not a lot we do a lot wrong around here. It's just part of me being your pastor. And we get a bad rap. It's just part of me being your pastor. And we stir the pot. Just this comes with me. Yeah, we, you, me, we. Y'all are we, me. We and me just flip that W upside down, baby. It's me. But every time. African-American just moved to the community looking for a church that will be accepted. I don't care if there's 500 comments. 350 will be like, go check out Action Church. 
hey, man, we're not the best. We're, we're in our finances, and man, we're, uh, you know, where would we be except go to Action Church? Hey, man, we're lesbian, we're gay, we're this, we're that. Um, man, we love dog, I don't, whatever it is, man. Always go check out Action Church. Go check out Action Church. Go check out Action Church. And here's my favorite part. is they Google Action Church and they find me. I can't tell you how many times this happens. I have a public Facebook page, so I'm not private about how I am. So then they go to my Facebook page and they begin to question, wow, is that the right place they were talking about? I literally, I kid you not, I have it in my notes, just a, a response that I now copy and send. Hey, this is just a church, but I see you. I, mean, I just want to make sure. So I respond back, hey, thank you so much. This is exactly what it says. I, I, I know you've probably been on my Facebook and see that I'm very outspoken and I'm an asshole. That's an accurate assessment. But I can promise you that we will love you right where you are, wherever you are. Church starts at 10 o'clock, and you're more than welcome to come. The response is always like, oh, wow. Because we're just called to love people. And if you're more offended that I use the a-hole word than the message I just taught you, then you're probably part of the problem. Because I just got to be honest with you, I don't think God's too concerned with it. I think he's much more concerned with how we love other people. Matter of fact, in Galatians, he lists what are called the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are the fruit that come from the seeds that you're planting. If I plant an apple tree, you expect what to grow? Apples. Has anybody ever planted an apple seed in a peach grew? If I plant watermelon seeds, what do we expect to grow? So what Christ is saying here is if you're a Christ follower and you're planting the seeds of being a Christ follower, here's the fruit that's going to come. And look what he says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no... He says, against the, there's no law, there's no rules against these things. I find it ironic that the first thing he lists is love. When you're walking in the Spirit and you're living the life of a Christ follower, love will be the first thing that other people see. If we're going to be a difference maker in our community, we as Christ followers, I'm telling you today, we must be known by our love. That doesn't mean you can't have opinions. That doesn't mean you can't have stances. That doesn't mean you can think certain things are wrong and certain things are right. That's okay. But the point is we're supposed to love. But we're known by our hate. We're known for what we're against instead of what we're for. I don't have to agree with you to love you. You know something? I don't even have to like you to love you. There's things I was like, well, you know what it is, it matter. You hate that person. I don't hate that person. I just don't like that person. I love that person. Would do anything in the world for that person. Well, you're right, I don't like that person. I don't have to be your buddy to love you. Love's a choice. We choose to love or we choose to hate. Christ says we'll be known by our love. John 13, by this, everyone will know you're my disciples. If you love one another. 
That, that phrase, love one another, shows up 15 times in the New Testament. As I was reading those 15 times this week, I kept asking myself, what does it look like to love one another? And I began to list all 15 out and put them in a category. And all 15 fall in about three different categories on what it means to love one another. (laughs) The phrase one another is used 58 times in the New Testament. Bear with one another. Be devoted to one another. (laughs) Love one another. So what does it mean to love one another in the context of being a difference maker? And again, make no mistake about it, we're called to be a difference maker. If you think you're not called to be a difference maker, then we're reading a different Bible. If you think you're just created to go through the motions, what a sad existence. If that's all that life is, man, I don't want anything to do with it. Probably the number one thing people tell me is, I mean, you seem to love life. I love life. In the midst of losing everything, I loved life. I tell you all the time, you've heard me say this a thousand times, I have more fun asleep than most people have awake. I love life. I get up every morning thankful for another day. My feet hit the ground. I'm like, man, how am I going to stir it up today? And love people in the process. First thing we've got to realize is we love one another by carrying the burden of others. Remember, we're going to love God. We're going to love people. But all that's irrelevant if we don't take action. Talk is cheap. That's the problem with so many people. That's the problem with the church. I saw a church the other day. I was out in the middle of nowhere. And I saw a church and it was like, friendliest church in town. And I was thinking, I bet they are not the friendliest church in town. So how do you, know? you can just tell some things. Like, like the, the, the big sign at the entrance that said, no turnarounds. The sign that said, even though you're in the midst of a downtown where parking is very limited, this is church parking only, because God forbid people park in our parking lot that are trying to get to the restaurant. I say, well, you just made me think maybe they're not as friendly as they think they are. Friendliest church around if you look like us and know our secret handshake. <laughs> Man. Friendliest church around, but we're going to fight the city every time they try to. No, no I'm, never mind. We love one another by carrying the burdens of others. The Bible says this in Galatians, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love God, love people. It's simple. He said, by all the others, you'll come from these two things. You want to fulfill loving God and loving people? You carry the burdens of other people. Remember, all the other laws hang on those two. So now the Bible says we carry the burdens of others. That's huge. That means life isn't just about you preaching to myself right now. It's not just about what you're going through. Matter of fact, I've learned when I focus on the burdens of others, I'm not so focused on what I'm going through, and it makes life a little bit easier. 
It's easy to love people when life is great for them. I love being around my friends when their marriage is great. It's easy for me not to be around him when their marriage is bad because now he's going to vent to me and she's going to vent to Christine and Christine's going to take her side and I'm going to take his side and we're going to come together and their drama becomes our drama. And it's like, oh, my. it's easy to love people when everything's great. <laughs> it's easy to love people when we like them. It's easy to love people when they're easy to love. Some people are just easy to love, like me. Like, to know me is to love me. Cuddly, soft, nice. No, it's kind of like, like Doug Knight. How could you not love Doug Knight? Me and, li, Jeff, where's Jeff Walter? Literally, Doug's out in the parking lot today. Me and Jeff, and I said, Doug's a good dude, ain't he? Jeff's like, yeah, he's the best. I said, how do you think you get to be so lovable? Jeff's like, you just get old. <laughs> Maybe Doug wasn't lovable when he was young. I don't know. Easy to love people that are lovable. But we're to carry the burdens of people when they're going through hell, when life's falling apart for them. That means when they're going through the hard times, church, when they're going through the hard times, we're not going to judge them. We're going to carry them. I didn't say we're going to walk alongside of them because sometimes they can't walk. We're going to carry them. We're going to let them know I'm going to hell and back with you. Man, I don't agree with the choices you're making. That doesn't mean we don't speak truth into their life. Man, you're blowing it. But I'm here for it. I'm here the whole way. Had there not been people in my life that carried my burdens in my darkest hour, and I can tell you right now there were seven of them and that was it, I wouldn't be here today. Those seven people saved my life by being with me at my darkest moment. (laughs) We carry the burdens of others. We're going to go through the hard times. We're going to let them know, man, you're not alone. They need to know they messed up. Oh, they know. Now, going through them in their hard times doesn't mean we're going to coddle them. It doesn't mean we're not going to have boundaries with them. It doesn't mean we're going to let them get away with it. At the end of the day, we can't control what they do. But but it means we're going to love them and we're going to carry their burdens. It might not look like what carrying their burdens looks like to them. But we're going to carry their burdens. We're not kicking you to the curb. We might slap you around. But we're going to wipe the blood off after we do. But you know what I found out? When I know people love me, it's okay if they slap me around. It's the ones that don't love me that I don't want to get slapped around from. They have my best interest at mind. We're going to carry the burdens of others. <laughs> they know life's falling around about them, and everyone else has turned their back on them, and we're going to come along, and we're going to walk through life with them. It doesn't mean we can fix everything in their life, but we can love them. So how do we do that, Gary? Well, it's simple. The first thing we can do is, and we're going to carry each other's burdens by just praying for them. And that doesn't mean the little cliche, I'll be praying for you. It means we're going to get on our knees before God and we're going to call out to him on behalf of them. How long, Gary, as long as it freaking takes. 
had someone come to me recently. They were getting into fasting, and they said, talking to me about their son, and all that their son was going to them. They said, how long should I pray? How long should I fast? I said, well, fasting, man, you need to go talk to your doctor. You need to make sure everything's good. I said, but I'd pray, and I'd fast as long as it took for my son to come back to God. Think I'm going to do it for two days when my son's involved? Never how long it takes. Some of you prayed for a family member for years before they came back to God. We're going to pray for them. We're going to carry each other's burdens by, check this out, so simple. Maybe just offering a listening ear. Christine tells me that sometimes, possibly, when I'm walking alongside people, I need to listen more and talk less. It's rare. She says, maybe just sometimes you need to listen i got to be honest with you, listening's hard. I'm not a whining type person. I'm not a down-in-the-dumps type person. I don't get into funks type person. I do. They just don't manifest themselves like other people's do. Matter of fact, when those type things happen, I'm normally, oh my gosh, how do we get out of it? And I, I actually flip a switch and I can get out of it. So it's hard for me to listen sometimes. And then Christine tells me, that there's apparently times that I listen to respond instead of listening just to listen. I don't like that. You're just listening where you can give them a response. Just shut up and listen. Sometimes people just need you to listen. <laughs> Sometimes it can be something as so simple as coming along and we're going to be there for them and say, man, how can we help you, man? And I cook a hot meal for you. Come over and have dinner with us. I mean, it's just giving them time. Sometimes we're going to carry their burdens by coming along and helping them financially. You've you got to be led in the Spirit that way to know discernment when to do that and when not to do it. What I'm simply saying is, is it's not some groundbreaking thing to carry people's burdens. It's just a matter of being there, seeing a need, and meeting a need. Man, y'all's marriage is... Hey, this next Friday, won't you bring the kids over? We're going to watch them. And you guys just have some alone time. Whatever we can do. Again, we, we complicate it. It's not complicated. Being there for someone is not complicated. So we love one another by carrying the burdens of others. You know, another way, as I was breaking down these love one another things, I saw there was a category of we love one another by building each other up. By building each other up. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Just as in face you are doing. I don't understand the Bible. It's so complicated. Encourage one another and build each other up. How many construction people do we have out there? Construction in any way. Construction, construction. Raise your hand. I am not a construction person. I don't play one on television. I don't try to pretend that I'm a construction person. I don't feel bad that I don't know the difference between a plus screwdriver and a minus screwdriver, whatever they're called, Phillips head, flathead, torque wrench, bigger majiggy, whatever. I don't even know. I don't care. Can't build anything. But you know what I can do? I can tear some stuff up. Say amen, Doug Knight. I can tear some stuff 
up. You give me a sledgehammer. You ain't got to give me anything. I just walk through the door and it tears up. It's that way in life. I mean, it's easy to tear people down. We need to come along and build them up. It's easy for us to remind people of their mess. But here's what you need to realize. They already know their mess. And again, I'm not saying we overlook it. I'm not saying we ignore it. So do not miss that. We're called to speak truth into each other's lives. But in the midst of that, we need to learn to build people up. It's human nature to tear down. We delight in it. When was the, when was the last time you got on the phone with your friends and you bragged on your other friends? But I guarantee you, in the last week, you got on the phone with your friends and talked about the stupid thing your other friends were doing. Awful quiet. I didn't expect a lot of amens to that. We love to talk about what everyone's doing wrong and rarely talk about what everyone's doing right. I'm the king of it. I, 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 I admit it, I admit it, I admit it. I deal a lot with helping people with their business and starting. Man, I can bam, 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 I can tell you everything you're doing wrong. I know all things you're doing, but I don't tell you that. We need to build each other up. Sometimes you got to build them up. I love when God's going in the book of Revelations, there's this thing where he's going to the seven different churches and he's talking to them. And you'll see a pattern in his discipline. He always builds them up. There's one he said, man, I see your zeal. He's telling the church, I see your zeal. I see your zeal. I see your this. Now, he, he brags on them. Then he comes and said, but, but, I, but I got something against you. You've left your first. He said, bam, 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 here's what you do right. Mm, now, let me address what you do wrong. You got to build them up sometimes. Sometimes you got to build them up five levels to criticize them one level, because that way in the end, even though you criticize them, you built them up four levels. It's human nature to tear down. That's easy. Just what we do. We're crappy people at nature. We. I didn't say you. I said we. At the end of the day, we almost delight. I don't, I don't know why we delight in the mess. It's, it's juicy gossip. <laughs> but when you're loving people and walking with Christ, you don't want to tear people down. You want to build them up. Something powerful about encouraging someone. It's human nature. They say that if you have a bad experience at a restaurant, you're, you, you'll tell 10 people you had a bad experience. If you have a good experience, they say on average you'll tell three people. I'm horrible at it. I get it. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not preaching at you today. I'm preaching we. I'm not even preaching we. I'm preaching at me. I'm horrible at building up. And what's a shame is it's horrible that I'm bad at it, because i got to be honest with you. I'm a big fan of people building me up. I like it. I like when people say, man, you're doing a good job. Thank you. So why wouldn't I think other people like that? I love it when people pour encouragement into me. So why would I be so selfish to think they don't like it when I pour encouragement into them? Here's my question. When was the last time you told someone how impressed you are with them? Just told someone, I'm so impressed in this area of your life. When was the last time you told someone, man, you know something? I believe in you in this area. I just believe in you. 
I know you don't sit, but I believe in you. And I know you keep screwing up, but I believe in you. They don't lie to them because sometimes there's areas you're not going to believe in someone in. I have looked people in the face and said, here's what you need to do, but I do not believe you will do it. Sometimes that's truth. You need to be honest. When's the last time you told someone they're just doing a good job? Anyone can tear down, but it takes a Christ follower to build up, to encourage. This ought to be the most uplifting place on earth. And if we love like we should love, we should be building people up. Even when they fall, address the fall, but build them up. Let's get on back on our horse. We're going to love one another by building each other up. I'm done right here. We're going to get out of here. Tanya told me today, sweet Tanya that y'all think called sweet. She can get some sticks in there, and then she said, mm, not a lot of notes to that means you're going to preach for two hours. So just to spite her, I'm going to be short today. We're to love each other to good works. We're to love each other to good works. Hebrews 10, let us consider how we spur one another towards love and good works. Let me make something clear to you. I want you to look to your right. I want you to look to your left. In this room is enough gifting to change the world. The talent in this room, the gifting in this room, the strengths in this room can change Canton, Georgia. When you change Canton, Georgia, then you begin the process of changing Cherokee County, Georgia. The state of Georgia. Jesus changed the world with 12 people. We got about 150 in here today. And you want to tell me we can't change the world? The problem is we're not spurring one another on to good works. We're not encouraging each other to use their time, their talent, their treasure for the cause of Christ. The problem is most of us don't believe we have the gifting to do anything. So why do we encourage anyone else in their gifting? Nothing brings me greater joy as a pastor than to see people in this church live out their calling. I love it. I love that the first Wednesday of every month people get fed. And I literally do nothing. Let me stress that to you. I don't know how it works. I don't want to know how it works. You know why? Because it's not my calling. But you're the pastor. <laughs> you must have me mistaken. I'll never be the pastor that does it all. Here's what I do. I get up and create an environment on Sunday mornings for those who don't know God can come. That's my passion. But it runs flawlessly every time. Every week, church gets cleaned up. Kids area runs. The music happens. You know why? Because people here use their gifting. I was proud of you last week. It was a hard message last week on serving. Joe came up to me and said, you know, it's really easy to plan the schedule for the kids area when there's actually volunteers. I said, yeah. We spur one another to good works. You have the talent to change the community. You think God gave you that extroverted, friendly personality for you to sit here and be unfriendly at church? No, he wants you at that front door greeting people. 
think God gave you that gifting to deal with kids? He did not give me the gifting to deal with kids. Mm-mm. Gave it to you to be over there teaching the next generation about Jesus Christ. There's power in our gifting. And we have to spur one another to take those talents and put them into action. But I'm tired on the weekends. I get it. Join the club. I get it. You know, that's the power, though, of everybody doing their job. If everybody was giving a part of the thing, you'd probably have to do it once a month. Problem is 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And so those 20% do it weekly and they burn out. And then they, then they leave them. Why did someone so leave the church? Because they were fried. They were burned out. Because you sit on your blessed assurance every week doing nothing. Like a sponge soaking it in. We spur one another to good works. Talks cheap. We're to put our talents in action. Like I said, it all goes back to selfishness. Not loving people really boils down to the fact that we're selfish. Bible says in Romans 12, 10, I'm done. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. You ever heard the expression, respect's earned? Anybody heard that expression? I, you, I earned your respect. I, I believe that. Here's the difference between respect and honor. Respect's earned. Honor is given whether they deserve it or not. That's why the Bible says we're to honor our father and our mother. Every father and mother is not worthy of your respect. There's some crappy parents out there. But we choose to honor them as our parents in spite of that. We choose to honor the people that we come with. The Bible says we're to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And we honor one another above ourselves. That means we put them above where we are in life. If we expect to be treated at an eight, we treat them at a nine. Why? Because we chose to do it. Not because they deserve it. You want to be a difference maker? You change the world by loving people. It's that simple. It's not complicated. We have complicated it. Because that's what we do. Let's pray.